when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there. You need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Today, we are talking about authenticity. And this is a great topic, I think, because many of you are told, first of all, that you need to be authentic in court. And I'm one of the people that tell you that for sure. But I do think that we have a very limited understanding about what authenticity is. And we also use authenticity as a way to, mm, how do I want to put this? As a distraction, so to speak, meaning as a reason to not show up in a big, powerful way. So I want to talk about both of those things today. I want to talk about what authenticity is, at least in my view, and why it is such a big deal. And um, then we'll see where we go from there. We are heading into in the next couple of podcasts, the importance of nonverbal intelligence, particularly in court. And so I wanted to kind of kick off this next series with an idea of authenticity, because we'll be talking about a lot of different ways of communicating. And oftentimes when we do that, the term authenticity gets, um, kind of thrown around. And I don't think that we have a really clear sense of what that means. So I want to get really clear before we even go into nonverbal communication about what authenticity is and why it's such a big deal. So let's start with the definition. So if you ask most people what they believe authenticity is, most of them would most would say, well, it's just being yourself. And so that's true, partly, meaning if you asked me, you know, would you agree that that is a definition or the definition of authenticity? I would say yes and no. I mean, yes, in that you're not trying to be someone or something that you're not. That's a huge part of of authenticity. If you go back and you listen to some of the previous podcasts on the limiting beliefs that I did, I think we covered six limiting beliefs. One of the limiting beliefs was I have to be like such and such famous trial attorney to win cases. And so absolutely, we're we're not suggesting that you need to try to be someone else. And being yourself, of course, is a huge part of authenticity. Where this tends to go off the rails, however, is when we start to confuse, as most people do, being uncomfortable with being authentic. And this, that's really what I wanted to talk about today, is that you are so much bigger than you think. And therefore, your authenticity can, can be bigger than what you think. I mean, most of us go through life and we kind of put ourselves and other people, quite frankly, in a box and just label it. And just if it's us, we label it me. This is who I am. And so therefore, anything outside of the box makes us uncomfortable and gives us that excuse that I just mentioned to not try anything new. And that is not how I want to define authenticity. Authenticity is fluid, meaning who I am, for example, today is completely different than who I was 
even a month ago, if not a year ago, so on and so forth. Meaning my top value, for example, is growth. I constantly wanting to grow. I want to grow in my work. I want to grow in my personal life. I want to grow in my knowledge. And I'm constantly reading, attending seminars, um, teaching, training. My whole thing is about growth. So if my my value is growth, then I absolutely am going to change and as I grow. And that means my sense of who I am has to change with me. Meaning authenticity is something that is fluid and flexible. It doesn't mean that you are this one static thing. And if you ever go outside of that box, that you are now being inauthentic. I mean, let's talk about what real inauthenticity is. Real inauthenticity is gimmicks, for example, trying to use gimmicks to get the jury or anyone else to come over to your side, for example. Inauthentic is copying, right? So you see some famous trial attorney do something and then you try to mimic or copy their style in court. Now that comes with a caveat. Don't get me wrong here. I think that a huge part of growth is to copy at first. I I, I think when we're learning different skills, it's really valuable, quite frankly, to take what we see someone else doing that we admire and respect and attempt it on our own. But it's the difference for me is that you're not staying there. You're not continually mimicking. You're taking the skill and mimicking it at first because you don't have your own style yet. And as you play with that skill that you've copied or mimicked, then you start to make it your own. The problem becomes when you never take that second step. You never try to make it your own. You just try to mold yourself into becoming this person that you're copying, and that's when you're being inauthentic. You're also being inauthentic when you're unethical. And I see this all the time, thankfully not with my clients, but because I'm in court, I see it quite a bit. And that's where you're telling a story, for example, to connect and it's not true. And jurors can pick up on that. I mean, when you say you grew up on a farm and you never grew up on a farm because you're out in a rural county, for example, or you are all about gun rights and you actually abhor guns and have a real problem with with it and are all about gun control, just so you can connect, again, with jurors in a rural ca- a county or conservative county, or lying about a bad fact instead of owning it and, and discussing it with jurors. All of those things are unethical and they are not authentic. At least I hope not, unless you're some evil, horrible person. That is not authentic to you. It's, it's, it's going off course. You're also inauthentic when you don't show up, or I should say when you show up differently in court than you do everywhere else in your life. Now, again, that one comes with a caveat as well, meaning that when I teach people different communication styles, you obviously will show up differently in different scenarios, meaning when you present, you're going to use a particular type of nonverbal communication there. When you are um, facilitating, you're going to use a different type of nonverbal communication there. That's not what I mean. I don't mean uh, that that's inauthentic to show up differently non-verbally depending on what you're trying to do. In fact, that's what my whole program and upcoming book is about, is how do you change your nonverbal communication to adapt in the moment so that you can make sure that you're moving jurors from hostage to hero. So that's not what I mean. What I mean is you're being inauthentic when 
let's say that you are a, you know, balls to the wall, hard ass, direct person. <laughs> I'd be describing myself there. And then in court, you come off like Miss Bo Peep. Now, I'm not saying that I should, if I was a ter- trial attorney standing in front of a jury, you know, just be my hard ass self and that, you know, they should just fucking take it. That's not what I mean. Again, it's all about timing and, and really reading your group and what they need and when's the right time to give it to them. But when you have a complete and total personality change, that also is not authentic. Even though there's so much pressure in this universe you guys operate in to try to bend yourself into a pretzel of what you think the perfect trial attorney is. Uh, These things are inauthentic and they do not serve you in court or anywhere else. So, I mean, let's talk about why authenticity is so important and why it's so powerful and why it's such, such a big deal. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's so fucking rare. I mean, yes, all the messages out there, the popular thing to read in magazines and all the self-help books is be yourself, right? Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. I mean, this just seems like the big message. Yet, everything in society says the opposite. Everything else says you need, like advertising, you need to conform. I mean, sure, be yourself if it's popular, thin, you know, rich, et cetera, white. But if you fall out of any of those categories, then hell no, don't be yourself. You need to make sure that you go and have weight loss surgery and facelifts and use this particular makeup and buy this type of clothing and wear, drive this type of car and have this kind of watch. I mean, the real message, the quote unquote nonverbal message that we get through society and otherwise is it is not okay to be yourself. You need to be anything but yourself. You need to be this polished version. So when someone shows up in court or anywhere else as their true self, no hiding, no gimmicks, uh, no copying, it's so rare that it's amazing. We love seeing it because you know what? It's brave. It really is. It's brave when we see someone unapologetically being themselves. People like it and jurors like it. And that's one of the reasons why I want to really push you to embrace who you are. Now, again, the caveat is my goal is to help you become the biggest baddest version of yourself. You always have room to grow and expand. So this isn't an invitation for you to go pat yourself on the back and say, hey, I'm perfect the way I am. I don't need to grow or adapt or or learn anymore. That's I'm just perfect. I mean, that's your choice. Sure. But if you follow my point of view, which is it's all about growth. It's all about growing. We've, we're never done growing. There's no destination here. It's all about the journey then yes, be authentic, but also strive to bring your best self forward. And that is always constantly growing and changing. You know, this whole idea of of rare and how rare it is and how, you know, we, we say be yourself, but every message that we get is the opposite of that. That's also true in the trial world, isn't it? I mean, yes, you guys are told all the time to be authentic. And yet, 
trial method after trial method is thrown in your face saying, here is the only way to do this. I mean, go back and look at another limiting belief, which is, you know, there's a formula for this. There's a right way to do this. I mean, that this is also pervasive in your world. It's not okay to be yourself. I mean, you're told you need to be authentic. And then on the other hand, you're constantly being told there's a right way to do this and that you shouldn't listen to your instincts and that everybody else knows better than you. So that's also what you're up against. But again, I continue to caution you, authenticity and bringing who you are to the jury is going to work because first of all, it's rare and it gets attention. Second of all, it's also real. You can't, you know, we talk a lot about connecting and connection with jurors and how to connect with jurors and how to get them engaged and talking and blah, 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 blah. You cannot connect with a fake thing. You just can't. It's like having a relationship with a person that doesn't exist. When you bring in this polished up fake version of who you are, there's no chance at all that you are going to connect with the jurors. The second reason why authenticity works is because it's real. It's an actual thing. It's it's a person relating to other people. And that in itself is huge. You've got to be a person who wants to connect with other people in order for it to work. You can't put this this version of this fakeness up there and expect that that's going to work because it won't. Jurors can sniff that out, by the way, a million miles away. They just are so on alert for manipulation, for gimmicks, for some polished up attorney to stand in front of them and, and woo them and entertain them. They're just on the lookout for it. So when you show up authentically as yourself, warts and all, It's both rare and real, which brings us to the third thing. It's relatable. I mean, when we're talking about this idea of authenticity, I I think about uh, a great trial attorney that came through one of our classes, Joe Crosby out in Minnesota. If you guys know Joe, he's wonderful. And um, Joe, the day before he went in front of our doctor, he's been to our seminars now three or four times. This is the first time he came out. And he was so nervous that he stood in front of the jury and he was literally shaking. And, you know, and I have his permission to share this story. And so he was shaking. I mean, he was holding notes and the notes were shaking as well. I mean, they just showed the jury how nervous he was. And as he went through his opening, he started to really get into the storytelling. And it was just a, quite a beautiful thing. And by the end of his opening, he had become this woman who was injected with this pain medication into the wrong space, who collapses. And then he became the husband who's doing CPR on his own wife. And then he became the doctor who is shouting for the nurse to get the you know ambulance. And then the nurse brings in the life-saving equipment. And Joe's now um, the doctor. And he says, I don't know how to use that. Do you know how to use it? I mean, you can see the jury just like gasped when he said that. And what I love about this story is that when we were done, I asked the jury, I said, how many of you could tell that Joe was nervous? And, you know, everybody raised their hand. And I said, and how many of you think that affected Joe's credibility? And not a single hand was raised. In fact, here this jury was so emotionally invested in this case now that even though it was a mock jury, I tell you, had he, he could ask them for whatever amount he wanted in a real jury and they would have given it to him. I mean, they were so impressed with the story of the woman and how he told it. His nervousness wasn't a factor. In fact, I believe it helped him. Why? 
because it made him relatable. He stood up there, knees practically buckling, and communicated to the jury, this case is so important and that I will stand up here and, and almost fall over. It's that important. Now, if you're a juror that day, you've been there. You've had something, whether that's a fifth grade piano recital or a speech you had to give where you were that nervous. And to see someone else also in the same situation immediately makes it relatable and connectable. And that is what won those jurors over. We tend to think that we need to scrub ourselves of any perceived uh, flaws or problems or issues. And the opposite is true. I'm not saying you should put on a show. Again, that'd be inauthentic of being nervous when you're not nervous or, you know, bumbling around when you really got it all put together. What I'm saying is, is that when you are authentic, whatever that looks like, It works because it's so rare, it's so real, and it's so relatable. So as we move now into future podcasts talking about nonverbal communication and nonverbal intelligence, we start talking about different ways of communicating. I'm going to refer you back to this podcast whenever you start to think, well, wait a minute, sorry, I don't know that that's authentic. Being inauthentic is not the same as being uncomfortable. And I want you to keep that in mind because as you stretch and grow and become a high performing trial attorney, which is what my work has now morphed and focused on creating high performing trial attorneys. We have a brand new coaching program coming up in a few months. What that's going to ask of you is that you get uncomfortable. It is not going to ask you to be inauthentic because there is a difference. And that's what I want you to keep in mind as we now move into some uh, maybe things that you haven't done before that may be quote unquote uncomfortable. Alrighty. Well, that's it for this week. I look forward to talking with you next week. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that wherever you listen. Give us a review. That'd be great. Uh, If you're listening to this in real time, we still have a few seats left in the opening statement studio in July 2019. Visit our website for more information on that. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.